Welcome, everybody, to She's All Booked, a podcast for book lovers and avid readers. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Alex. We're two cousins who are also best friends who love to read. Yeah. Chat about and analyze. Sometimes overanalyze. The books we're currently reading. Sometimes we're on the same page. And sometimes our pages differ. But either way, we always have an opinion about what we've read. By the way, we're real people with real families. So you may hear cats, dogs, birds, babies, or husbands. So enjoy the bonus material. Now let's get booked. Booked. Listeners, stick around at the end of this episode for some bloopers and bonus content. Hey, 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 listeners, if you're enjoying our podcast, please give us a five star review on Apple, Spotify or your preferred streaming service to help us reach more listeners and spread the word about our podcast. Before we get started, we want to include some trigger warnings. This book and the following discussion will include topics of child abuse. So please be aware of that before you proceed. Also, this is just a reminder that we will have a non-spoiler discussion first, and then we will announce when we will be getting into the spoiler portion of our discussion beforehand. So be prepared for that. Yes. Hey! Hey! Hi, Jess! Hi, Alex. Welcome back, everyone. And it's been officially changed. We are... She's all fucked. Mm. Look, we might be in sync with the name change, but we are not necessarily in sync with saying it. So we're really bad at coordinating (laughs) saying things together. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) But hey, you know, welcome. This is uh, welcome back, of course, to the podcast, but welcome to the first official She's Old Books. Yep. There you have it. (laughs) Yeah. So there you go. Here's our first episode as She's All Booked. Everything has been officially changed over. So you can find us everywhere at She's All Booked. And just let's have a quick moment of silence for Books with Cooks, our baby that started it all. All right. He was a very good Books with Cooks podcast. podcast, (laughs) All right. I miss the sassy spatula. I know you do. You're always willing. You're always like, when are we going to incorporate? When are we going to remix? Yeah. And renovate and bring back the sassy spatula. Yeah. I think we should bring it back in a new new format in some way at some point. Maybe. Uh, We might have to rebrand the name. Yeah. Spatula. Might have to be the sassy bookmark or something. I don't know. It could be an homage to our Books with Cooks days, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. All right, fine. Whatever. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Maybe if we do like a mini segment with like a recipe or something here and there, we can call it the sassy spatula. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Well, anyway. Work in progress. (laughs) What what are you snacking snacking? on today? (laughs) Hey, we coordinated that pretty good. We did. Because it was unplanned. Yeah. If it's unplanned, when we we plan it, it's just what happens. I don't know. It's really bad. We glitch. We do glitch. (laughs) We're like the Matrix over here. Anyway, I'm having water. I had a little bit of tea, a spot of tea, um, but I don't have a snack today. Okay. Neither yeah. do I. <laughs> I just finished my coffee actually a little bit ago, and now I also have water. But right before we started to record, I actually made myself a quesadilla, and mm. it was very good. Yeah. A quesadilla. Well, what's there to eat? Knock it off, Napoleon. Make yourself a dang quesadilla. Fine. 
I, I had myself a dang quesadilla and it was a delight. <laughs> Grandma fell off the dunes yesterday. <laughs> Broke a coccyx. What are you doing here, Uncle Rico? Grandma took a little spill of the sand dunes today. Broke her coccyx. I love that movie. Yeah, that movie's so good. Did I ever tell you when Rob and I, early on when we were dating, I was like, I had this big idea that we were going to play this drinking game with Napoleon Dynamite. And no. he took one look at the at the rules and he was like, there's no way we'll survive this if we play by these rules. It was like, take a shot every time somebody says, oh, crap, what was the word? I don't know. There was one thing where it was like every time they like mentioned like the tater tots, which is one scene, but they mentioned it like 15 times and you're supposed to take a shot every time. And he was like, well, oh we won't. He was like, we won't survive. Mm-hmm. And so we made it like halfway through the movie and then we had to stop. <laughs> That sounds fun, though. It was a lot of fun. It was. But I definitely recommend don't do shots. Do just a sip. Maybe next time would be more practical, especially for us old people. (laughs) Would be safe. Old people. Old people. Would be safe, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But that's interesting. I didn't know they had that game. That game sounds hilarious. Yeah. I think I I would fail. You would fail. Yeah. That's like telling me don't say movie quotes. There's no way I can do that. Okay. Everything relates to a song or to movie quotes. Yeah. You know this. Yes, I do know. I do know. I think our listeners know too. (laughs) I think everyone knows. Okay. Because you do too. This is what happens now. I know. All right. That's all. (laughs) Well, what what else is new? What's been going on? Oh, Uh, you're right. (laughs) I'm okay. (laughs) All right. I dropped my cane. Old people. Uh, No, I'm fine. Um, What what was it? I was going to say something to you before and you were like, don't say it. Wait for snack time. What was it? Oh, crap. I don't remember. What were we talking about at the time? I don't know. She yelled at me, guys. (laughs) She yelled at me. I was like, oh, I forgot to say she was like, save it for snack time. (laughs) (laughs) Because just so you guys know, we started uh, a little meeting here almost three hours ago with the intention of recording. And we are a total of about maybe five minutes in. And so we yeah. were like, we need to get to it. We need to stop. Yeah, that's accurate. We were like on season two, we're going to be very professional. We're not going, we're just going to be all business. All business. When, when it's mm-hmm. time to record, we're just going to record and that'll be it. And we have just gone off the rails already. <laughs> It's just we spend like two or more hours just chatting and catching up with each other, which is hilarious because we talk every day. And (laughs) it's like it's like it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really add up. But yet it does. It makes sense. I I want you guys to know that an hour of that was just ranting, (laughs) straight up ranting. Some of it was ranting about old stuff that we've already ranted about in the past. We were just reigniting that flame. Common rants. We're going to call that common ranting because there's things that we'll rant about often when we're just feeling it yeah chronic complaints chronic complaints that's it we should have a segment a mini segment called chronic complaints where we just come on and just complain about something i would love that i would love it i'll complain about the same thing every week and i won't get sick of it you Mm. guys will probably get sick of it i don't think i will be like i don't know if they will it might bother them too they might be driving or something be like yeah yeah (laughs) can you imagine we don't want to upset you guys no no do that no we don't want that uh but maybe no no not not maybe that we want to upset you guys maybe that'll be a thing we'll yeah see. i don't fun. know we're, we're toying with our our mini segments we're gonna try to keep it fresh yeah um so we'll see yeah but yeah yeah i don't know uh i i have a delicious snack for later mm-hmm. uh, i had my mother-in-law over uh last night what up kathy hey kathy and shout out to kathy 
<laughs> and uh, she's part of our book club members. Woo-hoo! Yay, our first member. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, no, I had her over last night and I made this delicious chocolate cake recipe. I had never made this specific recipe before. And okay. it was so good. And it was yeah. the word I hate that I won't say. It was Moist. very that. Ugh, hate that word. <laughs> but it was very, very that. And uh, it was so delicious. And then I made like a vanilla buttercream for it. Mm. Very good. Sounds really good. And knowing that it's in my house is driving me insane right now. Because I'm like, mm, I want that cake. I want the cake. <laughs> I want the cake. I want that cake now. <laughs> Your cake goblin comes out and it's like, give it to me. Give me the cake. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that idea. Cake goblin. What was what was that comedian's name with the party goblin? Alina. Uh, no, Eliza. Schlesinger? I can't pronounce it. Eliza Worcestershire sauce? Yeah, Worcestershire Schlesinger. I can't say it. It definitely it's, wasn't Sledgehammer or whatever the hell it, you It's say. like Schlesinger. Schlesinger. I can't say it. I physically can't say it. I don't know. I'm trying to think of what it, it's it's definitely something long like that though. But I know now I'm to, just, I know how to spell it. I just can't say it. <laughs> it's like S C H all right, I'm done. I'm done. No, now I'm thinking spell. of Nicole Schlesinger from the Pussycat Pussycat dolls. dolls. Yes. She also yes. has one of those names. She, I can't pronounce her last name either. I'm very bad with, with, I don't know, letters that shouldn't be next to each uh, other. Apparently you know? names that start with sh. Too, too, too many, too, too, cons- <laughs> too many, too, too, too many consonants in a row. You know what that reminds me of though? You know, the movie's Utopia. Well, it's a little toot toot. All right. Give her a little bye bye toot toot. Yes, yes, I thought of that too. Love that movie. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love that movie too. So cute. Yeah, it's a good one. But but now it's gonna annoy me. Anyway, she's hilarious. She's got like yeah. her own special or something on Netflix, I think, and it's called Elder Millennial. Mm-hmm. She has a few. They're all funny. But this one in particular, I think it was the Elder. It might not have been. Uh, yes, that. Elder Millennial. Oh, I don't know if it was that special, though. Anyway, one she, of her specials is she talks about her potty party goblin. Yeah. That comes out when she's like, I don't want to go out. I'm not going out. And then she's like, but then. Yeah. My party goblin. <laughs> and it's hilarious the way she says it. For it was not you that was in charge. It was your party yeah it's really funny i think she's hilarious she is she's really funny i like her a lot um too bad we don't know her last name yeah i i know it i just can't say it i'm sorry i'm sorry but i love your work danny devito i love your work danny um, devito i love your work <laughs> get out of here oh my god danny devito i love your work i do actually i really do like danny devito so i do too <laughs> it's like a real statement and yeah. a fun quote yes right Doug? danny devito i love your work <laughs> Maybe we should talk about the Frosés first. All right, let's talk about the Frosés. <laughs> Remember? Right, so so we, we got disconnected, by the way, just for fun. Yeah. I'm just going to let you guys know. Uh, Doug, with his big man body, um, <laughs> he knocked out the, <laughs> the, the cord for my internet. So we had it to be continued. And of course, me and Alex had a whole conversation before we came back. Because it's why true. wouldn't we? And it's we were talking true. about our brunch era. Yes. Because we had a brunch era. And let me tell you, our brunch era was strong. Okay, we did like brunch at like once a month. Yeah, it was strong, and we went to like we explored the space. We went to 
different places. We were all up in New York City. Like, who did we think we were? Yeah. Uh, we went all over the place. We would do Jersey, parts of New York. We would do all kinds of places. Yeah, it was a lot of and fun. It was a lot of fun, but there was one place that stands out in particular. Yes. Uh, and it doesn't exist anymore, but it was by the water. It had a beautiful view and they had the most delicious drink. Frosé. No, it's a man. It was a frosé, a frozen rosé with strawberries in it. Yeah. Raspberries, I think. Yeah, I think it did have raspberries in it. That drink it was, was really go- good. It was godlike. Okay? It, was, it was very good. It was delightful. I think they were unlimited. I don't remember, but we had yes, quite they a were few. unlimited. And I ended up getting tipsy, but it was worth it. Tipsy? We had like five each, girl. (laughs) They were delicious. And the food was excellent at this place. The food was very good. All right. We're upselling this place to you, but this place no longer exists. Yeah, I know. It's However, we were very upset. And we think, yeah, we think about these drinks often, just so you know. We do. We do. That's all. There was other places that were excellent. Excellent. You know, but that drink. Yeah. Also, there was like a man playing uh, acoustic guitar. He was excellent. Do you remember that? I don't remember. Yes, he was there and he was just playing music and you were like, you were starting to get tipsy and you were like, you're like, this guy's really great. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I was. (laughs) So shout out to that place. It was called Surf. Surf, right. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, it was so good. I think it went down with the pandemic, right? In 2020 or that around that time. Yeah. Well, I I think it's interesting because the chef of that place, the food was really good from what I remember. Mm -hmm. And the chef from that place actually bought it over and renamed it something else. Oh, okay. So it might be possible that the new place has the frosés. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, it would be worth it just to go back for the food anyway. The food was very good. I think I had I had some type of salmon, like wonton tacos or something. They were so good. Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure you had like a lobster roll, too, or something. Maybe. I usually I do love my lobster rolls. I probably did get that. It includes. Well, this is like back in the day, too. Yes, a while ago. Uh, But I remember that we got like three choices or something. So we were able to pick an appetizer, I think. Maybe like a salad or maybe it just included a salad or either that was a choice of salad and some kind of entree. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure you got the salmon on the entree and the lobster roll is the appetizer. Hmm. You were feeling fishy that day. Also, it was the surf. Yeah. The restaurant was called surf. You got to get seafood unless you're a vegetarian. Like I. (laughs) I did not order anything with a face. No, you probably uh, ordered pretty, some type of bur- burrata something. Damn right I ordered burrata, girl. <laughs> I remember the burrata. It was delicious. It like melted on my fork. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and then I think I got some kind of like creme brulee French toast or something delightful mm. like that. Yeah, that sounds right up your alley. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to go to brunch. <laughs> I know. I know. At You're night. making me hungry, honestly. Right? Yeah. Oh, God, I love a good brunch. Anyway, me and Alex used to be in our brunch era. We were um, lady, ladies who brunch. Out. We used to call ourselves we ladies were. who brunch. <laughs> ladies who brunch, you know, and sometimes we would talk about books. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot of the times we would actually brunch together to talk about our books and we yeah. wouldn't, we would just get drunk instead. That's right. It was supposed to be part of our book club experience. It was we would read the book, get together for brunch to discuss the book. But instead, we would get tipsy and talk about other things. <laughs> Much yeah, like we, we do now. just rant about the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> just had chronic. Um, probably... <laughs> it was chronic complaint brunch. Instead of book club brunch. No, no, we were super happy. We were super happy at during these brunches. That's true. For obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I did remember what I was going to tell you, and it was book related. Nice. Yes. Uh, so I did start, I finished Dark Matter. Bleh. 
Uh, we'll get into that when we get into it. Yeah. Read at your own discretion. Uh, that's all I have to say. I haven't started it yet because you put such a sour taste in my mouth. But I don't know. The the complaints that you had told me about, I don't know if I will have as much of an issue with because I didn't know the two things that you were mentioning. So maybe it won't bother me as much. It's but... more than two things yeah. that it reminds me of. In the end, though, I felt compelled to write a review on Goodreads and I haven't <laughs> wrote a Goodreads review. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you the last book that I did that for. Probably I was fourth wing. I, I don't know. <laughs> I was so compelled to write this. Probably fourth wing. Yeah. Uh, so if anybody is curious to see my advanced thoughts, you can go on my Goodreads account. Go for it. <laughs> and uh, enjoy because, yeah, yeah, I have right. things to say. I have a lot of issues with that book. Also, I had told Alex and I'm going to tell you guys uh, his name is Blake Crouch. No disrespect respect to Blake Crouch. He's an author. Great. Uh, but I do think he should crouch around me because I might punch him in the face. Oh, my God. Um, not literally. I don't advocate for violence, you know, but just, you know, figuratively. That's all. All right. Well, tell all me right. about the like, other. Tell me about the other I, book. I don't read. I don't like his dark matter. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm in the dark here. I'm in the dark here. For I'm in real. the dark matter here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Anyway, right after that, I started Lucinda Berry. Keep your friends close. Okay. Mm. It's like, it's good. It's okay. So it just starts out. I mean, should I say? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It just starts, it starts out with, uh, a, a, there was like a party and there's a woman that was floating on a, in a pool. She was dead. Mm-hmm. Maybe some foul play. We don't know. But we get the different perspectives of the women that were at the party, each going through their own ish. OK. Mm, it's kind of like a little bit of a mystery. Like a murder mystery. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Uh, I really like learning about these women. I like their perspectives. It's just so much more engaging and more my speed than the other book was. Okay. The other book was like, I watched a bunch of sci-fi movies and I'm going to just change up the premise of them and then just go to town. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into our word of the day then, because now I I feel discouraged about dark matter and it makes me sad because I was really excited to read it. And now I'm not so excited and it makes me sad. You know, the girl that we love on TikTok, shout out to the girl we love on TikTok. Steph reads a lot. If you're on TikTok and you just want somebody who's awesome, a little bit of comedy and also someone you'll probably relate to. Steph reads a lot. Yeah, she's awesome. Anyway, she ripped a book in half once. She also (laughs) throws books sometimes off her balcony. I'm almost convinced. I'm not really sure 100 (laughs) percent if she does, but I think so well anyway she would i feel like she would throw this book okay (laughs) either that or i would uh throw it in her her way or you know how we were saying we can't believe she ripped a book in half Mm -hmm. good thing mine was digital all right that's it (laughs) all right so it's so dramatic all right well today we have a word of the day that does not come from franny the pucks Mm -mm. we have ephemeral and it is spelled e p h e m e r A-L, ephemeral. It is an adjective and it is defined as lasting for a very short time. For example, something that is fleeting or short-lived is ephemeral, like a fly that lives for one day or text messages flitting from cell phone to cell phone. Right. Or that old boyfriend you might have known. (laughs) Yes, that's good. I like that. (laughs) Okay. That's what she said. All right. Do you have an example ready to to go? A sentence? I do. All right. Then give Uh, it to us. Tying to the book, uh, Linus often has ephemeral situations where he has to do visitations for a short period of time Hmm. at certain places. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. Hmm. The children at the house in the house in the Cerulean Sea (laughs) (laughs) have an ephemeral distaste for Linus 
but it quickly resolves and they learn to love him. Okay. I don't know. Does that sound right? All right. Well, anyway. It what, does. What's the trivia for ephemeral, which, by the way, is a pretty word. I like the way yeah. it sounds. Yeah. And I like the definition. I like it. I'm feeling it. Yeah. I'm ephemeral in it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't have I the did. trivia. You did. I did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I don't have it. Doesn't it? It comes from like oh. a Greek word, ephemeris or something. I'm joking, guys. I do have it. I have it. Oh my god. Shot. All right. So let's hear some trivia for ephemeral. When ephemeral, from the Greek word ephemeros, meaning lasting a day, first appeared in print in English in the late 16th century, it was a scientific term applied to short-term fevers and later to organisms such as insects and flowers with very short lifespans. Nice little trivia for you. That's interesting. I like the trivia better than what we sometimes get with Franny the Pucks. I'm sorry, Franny. We still love you. We're kind of hating on Franny the Pucks today, but we unintentionally didn't need you today we didn't yeah. need you. We, <laughs> we did our own research today, and that's also because I was lazy and I didn't feel like I want to get the book. I'm going to be real. Yeah, that's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's get into our plot synopsis and our author bio. Unless you had anything more to add about ephemeral. No, I think the word meaning that it's short-lived, it should be itself. Short-lived, okay, gotcha. <laughs> no, just kidding. Use it in a sentence today. Make us proud. Yeah, I'm going to try to use it more. I don't think I've ever used that word. I don't think so either, but it was listed in one of the most beautiful words in the English language. Oh, well, Maybe it is. that might, going forward, be incorporated. Hmm, I like that. Hmm. As do I, <laughs> Alex. As do I. Okay. All right, let's, let's jump into our plot synopsis for this book as you know we are doing the house in the cerulean sea <laughs> uh, it's such a pretty title i felt like it had it to is. be presented beautifully and what better way to start with a word of the day that's one of the most beautiful words in the english language right i like it wasn't that. even planned by the way but there you go there you have it it's by tj clune the house in the cerulean sea is a tale about linus baker 40-year-old case worker at the department in, cha in charge of magical youth, tasked with overseeing the well-being of children in government-sanctioned orphanages. One day, he's unexpectedly sent to the Marius Island Orphanage on a highly classified assignment. Linus uncovers many secrets during his time in the island and develops a close relationship with the six children there and their caretaker, Arthur, much to the chagrin. Chagrin? Chagrin, bro! <laughs> chagrin! I don't like that word. I'm changing it immediately. Oh, my God. Give me another word. I hate it. I spit on chagrin. Much to the, I don't know, discontent, disappointment. Chagrin is the right word. I hate it. I hate it so much with every fiber of my being. But I'll why, are you re you. Why, are you, why are you rewriting it? Because I hate it. All right. All right. Uh, Arthur, much to the chagrin of his superiors, at extremely upper management. Alex forced me to say that word. I don't like it. I did not. I did not. I like that's a good word. All right. Is it though? Yeah. I hate it. You Remember how we said that we just looked at the 70 most beautiful words in the English language? This wasn't honest. Chagrin. It's fine. I hate it so much. It's, it's like, what kind of grin, huh? A chagrin? I don't know. Yo, it's chagrin. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I can't with you. 
You don't get it. <laughs> I want to get it. <laughs> All right. Well, as just said, The House in the Cerulean Sea was written by author T.J. Klune, who is a New York Times bestselling author of over 25 fantasy and romantic novels featuring gay and LGBTQ plus characters. He has won the Lambda Literary Award for his novel, Into This River I Drown, and his novel, The House in the Cerulean Sea, won both the Alex Award. Of course. And the Mythopoeic Fantasy Award. As a queer man, Clune has expressed that it is important now more than ever to have accurate, positive queer representation in stories. Okay, of course you included this, that it's the Alex Award, okay? I can't help what it's called. Please. It's called the Alex Award. I was pleasantly surprised. I was dazzled by it. Please. Alex probably looks in the mirror once a year and presents herself with an Alex Award. This year's award goes to me again. <laughs> it's always me. It's always me, guys. Uh, also, mythopoeic. I hate that word too. And you're you're a mythopoeic. <laughs> uh, I yeah. I honestly, I've not heard that word before. I don't like it. I don't. I don't like it. All right. I don't like it. I don't like it. I All don't right. know. Wait. What does he say? I don't like doing it. Yeah. <laughs> always always yeah. always robin williams all right all right well, all right. well I, I know that you loved this book so you let's get uh give the people what they want give us your yeah, thoughts this, this is going to be an interesting <laughs> conversation for you guys today because i loved this book and alex was like Meh. Yeah. so you're going to get two contrasting opinions which is cool mm-hmm. uh but my overall opinion about this book is that it came to me at a time where i needed it i needed a big hug from a book Aww. because i was still in uh the iron shame of hell uh book slump you know? all and becky yaros's fault damn you becky yaros we're not gonna let it up either we're gonna always remind you about this no but we were uh, you know i was feeling i wasn't feeling books and i was like you know what let me just i wanted to read this for a while i picked it up and it was just it was just a big big hug to me i i literally finished the book and hugged it whereas iron shame i and i will call it iron shame uh i literally threw that book across the room and i was done with it so you know this was a nice change up from that it was so wholesome i just i loved it so much uh and it came to me like i said at a time where i really needed it so um that was my overall thoughts without spoilers the fact that it was just wholesome and something that i i needed at that time so to me i absolutely loved it i thought the writing was beautiful i thought there was so many messages in it that were just amazing and i would recommend it to anyone it was a five-star read for me guys okay well so i mean i didn't dislike this book this book is fine i gave it ultimately four stars not so much based on my enjoyment necessarily of the book but just in the fact that i do recognize that this is a good book overall it is well written i did like most of the characters i did not care for the protagonist Linus, I thought he was a wet rag. I I just didn't like him. I thought he was boring. I thought he had no spine and I didn't enjoy reading about him. I thought his character arc was predictable. And just in general, the plot was, it, it is wholesome. It's very sweet. It's a cute book. I was not in the mood for a book like this. I was in I this, I was in my, I want a really good dystopian type of era when I read this book. So it didn't hit the mark for me. Maybe if I had read it at a different time, I would have appreciated a little bit more. However, I was just kind of confused about the overall tone of the book because 
and I'm still confused about this. We've gotten no answers from Google. So if anybody knows the actual answer to this <laughs> question, please let us know. But I don't know who the target audience is for this book because some people say it's an adult book. Some say it's YA. Some say it's middle grade. It reads like a middle grade book. But in my understanding, it's marketed to adults, which is fine. However, reading it, it felt like a book for kids. I do agree that there were some good messages in it. I appreciated the overall message in the story. I really liked the the kids and all of that. However, I just don't, I, I don't know. I just didn't really, it didn't resonate with me. I thought it was kind of boring. The plot kind of meanders on. There is an arc, but it's, it's just kind of like, in my opinion, it was two dimensional. And I think that the character arc for Linus is two dimensional. It's this guy doesn't see things, you know, he, he doesn't, he just goes about his boring life and doesn't think about the consequences of his actions. And by the end, he starts to realize how his actions impact others through his relationship with these kids. And it's like, I've read this before. You know what I mean? I've seen mm. this before. I've read this before. I did feel a lot of inspiration from books that have come before this. I don't think he was stealing anything, but I did feel inspiration from Harry Potter. I did feel inspiration from Percy Jackson. And that's why, once again, this reads like a middle grade book. Like this feels like, like the new generation Harry Potter, in a sense, just not as much fun because there's no real adventure in it. <laughs> this, this is nothing like Harry Potter. The only reason why she's saying that is because there are kids who have special abilities and it's in a fant fantastical world, like a fantasy. The character of Arthur reminded me heavily of Dumbledore and similar characters. <laughs> what? Just because he doesn't look like him, he's he's a very quirky, magical man living nothing, nothing like Dumbledore at all like I, part, like, like, I, hey, like put your name in the, in the like I said I don't think I don't think he was stealing anything I think you can feel the inspiration behind these characters and that's just my opinion I mean I I just this wasn't any it was very predictable you know I knew exact from the first page I knew how this book was going to end from literally the very first page and that made it more boring for me. I wasn't really interested in that at the time. I think this book just isn't for me. This just okay. isn't the kind of book that I, I think I yeah. would typically read. See, see, this isn't the type of book that you're going into with some suspense of, you know, what's going to happen and stuff. You hope and pray that what you want to happen will happen in this type of book. That's but, that type of read for this type of book. The thing is, and, it's... Sorry, go ahead. You can finish. No, I was going to say, and as far as... Line Linus, the main character. The best way to describe him is that he is a blank coloring book and that he needs something in his life to fill in all of the colors on his pages. And I feel like that's what happens in this book. And I was there for that. And I cried. That's a very pretty so. description. I, I, this is a very character heavy book versus a plot heavy book, which typically I do enjoy depending on the, the style. I didn't think the characters were complex enough to carry a character-driven book with minimal plot. I felt that Linus was very two-dimensional. His character arc was nothing new. It's been tried and successful in many in many other books. You know, the, this character arc, we've seen it before. We've all seen this character arc before, whether it's in a book, whether it's on TV, whether it's in the movies. It was nothing new. And I just didn't really, I, I mean, it's cute. It's cute and it does have some nice messages, especially for a newer generation of middle grade kids. And that's who I would recommend this book for. Like I said, I did rate it four stars because it is, it's very well written. And I did think that it was a good book. It just wasn't the book for me. It wasn't right for me. 
That's my Dana, I don't, overall I thought don't, on it. Yeah, I didn't feel that way when I was reading and that it was for... I mean, yeah, I get the fact that there's kids in it and a lot of the characters are children. I see why that would give you a feel of it being for younger you know, audience. But I feel like this is more adult. When I was reading it, I felt like it was more messaged for adults. I disagree. But maybe that's just because it spoke to me in that moment. I don't know. Everything about it felt juvenile to me. I mean, he works for the Department of Magical Children, and he has to report to extremely upper management who doesn't let you have photographs in your office and you get a demerit if you do. Like, it was was juvenile. It it wasn't like that. I I wouldn't see the term up extremely upper management and think this is a book for adults that's a it was that's fun a, that's a child that, term. It's that made it fun yeah it makes it cute yes. i don't i don't think it's i don't think this is an adult book personally i don't have a problem with middle grade books you know i love my percy jackson you know i love my harry potter mm-hmm. i'm just confused about the marketing on this book because it's marketed in my opinion to adults and i don't know i think this is more appropriate for children i think the messages will resonate more with children I think adults reading this book, they've heard this message before. They've seen this message before and in more complex ways. I don't, it just didn't do anything new for me. It was just nothing that I haven't read before. Nothing that I haven't watched before. It was just cute. It was nice. It was well-written and it it was wholesome, but it, I don't know. I'm just confused about, about who is marketed to. I think, I think the lack of complexity in the characters makes it the tone of it more juvenile. I think adults can handle more complexity in their protagonists than kids. He was very black and white. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to give it. Well, that's what I mean about his character was super black and white at first because he was very play by the rules, play by the book. No. And then over over time, his character develops based off of his interactions with these other characters. So I really liked that. And I really liked seeing his growth there and, and seeing him change Uh, because in the very beginning he's one way and and he tries to hold on to that throughout the middle but he gets super changed by his experience with these with these people that's not what i meant what i meant was oh oh, i thought you meant like his his character development wasn't there i no. well it was just flat to me it was like it it was nobody is like linus in the real world you know what i mean there's no person in the real world that is like this person at the beginning of the book and it takes kids that have these powers no but you want but you want your characters to if if i want to relate to a character i have to be able to relate to something in their character to be able to to resonate with them and nothing in him resonated with me because from the very start of the book i was like this man doesn't make sense to me it was the type of character I would give to a child to be like, this is not the way to be. And then we go on this journey of getting to know more people and recognizing their struggles. And look, now he's happy because he is able to, you know, have this development, quote unquote development. But it was like, it was childish. I, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I didn't, it didn't resonate with me. I just didn't like it. Yeah. I mean, I respect your opinion on that, but I had a different experience reading yeah, it. Yeah. Like, I did. I did resonate with him. You know, there was a lot of times he had things where he had some, you know, interpersonal struggles or, uh, you know, he was, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, you know, he lacked confidence about certain things. Um, and I resonated with that. And then there was other things where he felt like he didn't belong. And sometimes, you know, you just feel like you don't belong certain places. And he had to find where he belongs. And I love that. Um, so so there is certain things, certain aspects about the message overall of his character um, that I feel like maybe did resonate with me on a different level. So that's just maybe why I enjoyed it a little bit more. Okay. 
yeah but that's I, I fine think, and we just have different you know yeah, i think we can just agree to disagree yeah on, on this one um yeah 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 uh, so it didn't hug alex but it did hug me no i mean uh, and i bit, hugged it back it's a very it's a very cute book and if this sounds like something that you would enjoy then i definitely 100 percent recommend it to you because it is a good book it just wasn't the book for me and i would yeah. still give it four stars based on the fact that it's not a bad book a, a book that's just not for me but is good is still going to get a high rating from me i just wouldn't read it again <laughs> yeah i think that's uh, that rating is higher than i thought you were going to give it yeah, I mean, uh, it's not a bad book. It's, yeah. it's it's really not. There's a lot of good things in this book. So I feel like it was very well written. So yeah. I would definitely read more from this author because I feel like I really liked the writing style a lot. Yeah, I, um, I agree. Yeah. I just, I love the way it was written. Everything flowed really well. I couldn't wait to read it again. You know, I didn't want to put it down and just do other things. Like I really was into it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So if you're still interested, uh, please pause and go read this if you want to go read it. If not, we will tell you about it now. But just remember that going forward from this point, there will be spoilers. Some spoilers. <laughs> we might have to come up with a little jingle for this. Yeah. <laughs> spoilers. No, it definitely won't be that. That sounds really terrifying. There will be spoilers <gasps> in a world. In a world <laughs> where spoilers now. I don't know. All right. <laughs> I don't, it'll definitely be better than that. I promise yeah. you. <laughs> we'll, it'll not be that pitiful display again. We'll workshop it. But just, yeah. just a sneak peek into our creative <laughs> process where we just say weird shit and weird voices until we come up with something we like. <laughs> Nothing further from the truth there. I know. Uh, all right. From that point, I think you get the point of this, that there will be spoilers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there's a bunch of characters in this book. The, the The main character that we mentioned was Linus. There are other characters. There's a whole bunch of cute little kids at this orphanage. He does go stay there for a month. And he he does, like I said, you know, he changes because the kids help alter uh, his perception and his views. So that's the general overlook. Uh, but let's let's talk about the characters. Yeah. All right. Because I, I will say one thing. I never in my life thought that I would sit here and tell you that a book about the Antichrist, yes, that's right, um, would be wholesome and sweet and that I would absolutely love that character. <laughs> really? Come on. Yeah. But TJ Klune did that. He made me love this little child uh, who whose name is Lucifer. They call him Lucy. OK, uh, but he's just a little boy at the end of the day. He is just a kid. Uh, and the caretaker there, Arthur, believes in him and, and he says, you know, don't judge him based on he's supposed to be. Judge him on, you know, he's just a kid. And so what were your overall thoughts on that? And then we'll get into everybody else as well. Yeah, I really liked Lucy. I thought he was a cute character. I liked the concept of this character. I really liked the idea of taking the Antichrist as a child. Honestly, I don't know many other books that have done that or, or movies even. And if they do, that he's always evil. It's an mm -hmm. evil child kind of story. I thought his character was hilarious yeah. and there were a few moments just his interactions with the other characters i found really funny too how he tries to intimidate people or scare them and everybody's just kind of like oh don't listen to him he's not gonna he's just trying to scare you i thought that was really cute i liked all of that i yes. really i really enjoyed the concept of his character and i liked the execution of his character i thought it was cute yeah. So before he comes to this orphanage, you know, he's basically told you're the Antichrist, you know, you're going to be bad. Mm -hmm. The people are basing him off of what, you know, what they expect of him. Meanwhile, he's just a little kid. He's a little boy. You know, he's doing little boy things. Um, He's just being himself. 
And, you know, as soon as he came to this orphanage in particular, this caretaker wants him to be himself. He doesn't want him to be who people expect him to be. And so he's just a little boy exploring that. But at the same time, you know, he's got that in his head drilled in from all these other prior places that are telling him this is how you're supposed to be because this is who you are. Yeah. But that doesn't define him. Uh, so I really loved that that message there, you know, yeah. that. It was just it was just great to to see and read and to see that this little boy would joke around and every once in a while he would like try to scare people and intimidate people because he thought that's what he was supposed to do. But at the end of the day, he just gets scared like every other little kid. Yeah, I think he also thought it was kind of funny, which it was. It was. But I, I liked the message. I mean, the messaging comes down to nature versus nurture, which is exactly. the whole point that Arthur, the caretaker, makes throughout the book with Lucy is that. Is he evil because he was born the Antichrist or is he evil because people treat him like he's supposed to be evil and therefore he learns that that's how he's supposed to be? If he's taught something different, will that change his nature? And obviously that is the case. He has a, a loving home with a person who cares very much about him, who tells him that, you know, he doesn't have to be evil just because he's the Antichrist. Right. I mean, what's really great is that, you know, Lucy ended up at this place where, with a caretaker that genuinely cares mm -hmm. about him and his well-being. And and they're surrounded by this horrible town, which honestly is realistic, okay? Because people always fear what they don't understand. And that's a message in this book, too, where these little kids don't look necessarily like little kids. They have powers. They're not necessarily just ordinary kids. So people automatically assume that they're evil or they're bad or all these things. And when they see them, they're bullying these children. Adults are bullying these children in this town. And it's just horrible to see. And of course, this is affecting the kids. You know what I'm saying? And this is realistic to me because things like this do happen. Not necessarily the that there's kids out there there's a fantasy yeah. version of that but you know what i mean i know there's what you mean bullying. i i agree to an extent i i agree that people are bullied for being different i think that was the message that they were trying to send here so i think that a whole village of people of adults are going to take their pitchforks and start to march to the island to like attack these kids no i don't think that's a thing that happens yeah. that happens it was it was a little it was a yeah. little Franz frankenstein it reminded yes, me it reminded me of Beauty and the Beast when the whole village comes and they're like trying to we we got to get the beast, you know, that's what it reminded me of. But I like the messaging overall. It's, yeah. you know, it's okay yeah. to be different and we shouldn't judge people for being different. And, you know, love is more important than hate and, and all of that. Yes. And at one point, too, there's these fathers and they're they're saying we have kids, too. We have to protect our kids from these monsters. I mean, it makes me so sad. There was one character too, one of the kids there. I think it's Theodore. Uh, and Theodore is a wyvern. Uh, he's a little boy, but he's this like little tiny wyvern. And he hides all the time. He's scared because he people have been scared of him his whole life and telling him that he's a monster, essentially. Also, this other uh child chauncey who looks like i think like a jellyfish he's like transparent he looks very odd he's like a blob with he's tentacles a blob. Yeah. but at the end of the day he just wants to grow up and be a bellhop come <laughs> on how cute is that and he wants to wear a little bellhop hat he wants to take your when you get there he wants to take your um your stuff and go set them up for you do your laundry he's adorable okay cute. he was my favorite he's um, so cute um but yeah. but meanwhile before he came to this orphanage he was told that he's a monster how horrible you know so it's it just goes to show uh, people don't they feel like I said, they fear what they don't understand. They expect these kids when you're on this other part of the island in the town and you don't see these kids or you're not with these kids all the time. You think, oh, you know, I got to protect my child from this monster that would be under their bed. 
right? He slept. Well, he actually, this kid actually slept under Linus's bed for a few days because he he was told when he was at a prior orphanage that he was a monster under beds and things like that. Mm-hmm. So he was just doing what was in t- was expected of him, basically. Yeah, and I think part of the messaging and all of this is that the people living in the village were also not educated or were not aware about the kids because they were kept isolated and that we shouldn't be working to segregate people who are different. It's important that they're together and can learn about each other so that they can understand and see that they're not so different as you would initially assume just because they look different on the outside or because they have some type of power that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. And I think that at one point that becomes clear when Linus says, you know, like, let's go into the village and some of the characters start to, to like the kids and understand them and others are much more biased. But I think there was that message as well of the mis information and just not understanding because of the fact that these children were isolated and segregated from the rest of the population, which contributed to this idea that they need to be segregated from the population, that they are dangerous. And so I liked, I did like that part of the book when, you know, Linus says they, they need to be assimilated into society. And towards the end, that's something that he makes clear for the general population, not just for this collection of children, not just for this one orphanage, but for all of them in general, that the magical community needs to be integrated into the non-magical community because that's the only way to really progress and move forward. Yeah, I really liked too. There was this play on the common phrase that you'll see everywhere. Speaking of subways and stuff, you'll always see this. It says, uh, if you see something, say something, but it was applied for this. So it was applied for the magical world. So Mm -hmm. if you see something you know, some foul play with a magical person, basically say something. Yeah. Uh, and I really thought that that was interesting because you do see that all the time, but it was applied here. And I just thought it made it interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it's cute. Um, but there was other characters, too. There was a lot of kids and uh, there was Fee. She was a sprite, uh, a, a forest sprite, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also Talia, who was yeah. hilarious. She was hilarious. I yeah, agree. She, she looked like a garden gnome, Alex, right? She was like, how old? She, she was a garden gnome. She was 263 years old. <laughs> but she was but, still a, ch- a child. <laughs> yeah. But gnomes in this universe do not reach the age of maturity until 500. So she still has quite, she's only about halfway to maturity, but she's hilarious. Yeah. She really is funny. Uh, she has a lot of, uh, of spunk to her and sass. I really yeah. like that. I felt like uh, her and Lucy were kind of like partners in crime. He was kind of like, should I kill this person? She was like, I'll, I'll, I'll bury the body. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'll bury him in my garden. And, and they were like, no, no. Yeah, we're we're not going to do that. <laughs> At the end of the day, these are just kids. You know, they're just little kids who play pretend. They're not like serious. He was, she wasn't going to literally like put his body in the dirt. It was just, you know, they were playing pretend. They would go on, a, on these adventure games and do all these things like little kids would do. It didn't matter that they had powers. Mm-hmm. They were children. Yeah. There was also Sal, who was a shape. He was a shapeshifter who would turn into a Pomeranian, but he was kind of like a wear Pomeranian. So if he were to bite somebody, they would also become a shapeshifter that would turn into a Pomeranian. That was interesting. He got scared. There was a lady actually from his prior orphanage. He was beaten. Um, Mm -hmm. He was abused badly. Uh, And at one point he bit back the woman who did this and found out that he can change you over. Yeah. Uh, so that's how he learns. But, you know, he made it a point to make sure he was like, I would never buy anybody again. Like he was very sweet and timid. 
Yeah, he was a cute character. Uh, he was. He was cute. And his when he shifted into the little puppy, I think it was a Pomeranian, right? Yeah. Um, it sounded adorable. So the Pomeranian. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everybody, had, it was just a bunch of different kids looped together. Obviously, these are the ones that have the most problems. And all the problems really don't stem from who they are, but who had been their caretakers prior that treated them, treated them this way. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know what? It also works out. Not only was Arthur a good caretaker here for them, like a father figure, but there's also Zoe in this town. Yes. Uh, and I think she she's a sprite, but sprites are known to what be like a caretaker of an island or something. Or a she place. she is an island sprite. Right. So yeah, she contributes to the the life on the island. Yeah. Yeah. So she allowed them to come here, and she's she's very not a maternal figure, yeah. uh, but. She, She's very active in these children's lives and she's she's great. I think she's wonderful. I think she seems like she's a great soul. She's also pretty funny. I think yeah. she's a little spunky to Linus and stuff. She doesn't she won't yeah. hold back from her feelings. She will tell you how it is. I really like Zoe. I she, respect that. <laughs> I, Zoe, Lucy, Talia and Chauncey were my favorite characters. I thought Zoe was hilarious and I liked her character. I would say she was maternal. She kind of p- fulfilled that role for the children as as well as a teacher and a kind of a co-caretaker with Arthur. So yeah. I, I I enjoyed her character a lot. I thought that, you know, it shows Arthur was kind of this stand-in for a father figure. Zoe, I felt like was supposed to be the stand-in for a maternal figure in yeah. the children's lives. Yeah. And then later on in the book, you do get introduced to this mayor of the town. She works in the garden store and Talia comes in there because her her dream is to get these new garden tools. So cute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all she cares about is getting these new garden tools. She knows them. They're like specifically named and she knows them by catalog number. She's she's cute. Yeah. Uh, but she comes here and, you know, she speaks with the, uh, the the owner of the store who turns out to be the mayor. And she actually says, I would love to see your garden. And this little kid, this little garden gnome kid, you know, is <laughs> is thrilled about this because she takes pride in her garden. She wants her to come see it. So I like that idea of, you know, moving forward, there's going to be, you know, hey, not everybody's bad, you know, more like humans were bad in this one, to be honest. And and I'm not I don't think that's really far off from the truth. Well, I liked the idea that Helen initially when she meets the children, she is kind of skeptical. She is scared. She feels uncomfortable, but she allows the children to kind of express themselves. She gets to know the specifically Talia and Lucy a little bit because they're in her shop. And she's able to make a better judgment on who they are as people versus what she believes them to be without having any prior information, aside from knowing that they were just those kids from that island. So it was nice to see her getting to know them. I don't think she was the only one. I do think that there were other characters kind of sprinkled here that they didn't didn't really get into it much. But the guy from the record store. Yeah, the J-Bone or or T-Bone, something like that. Something along those lines. Yeah. And once again, I think it just goes to show you that, A, not everybody is going to judge right off the bat. There are people willing to get to know people that are different, that are willing to make that effort and willing to make that change. And I do think that, well, with Helen being the mayor, changes, I I think it's assumed by the end that changes are going to be happening in this village, that there is going to be more integration. And it's important that she was in a position of power to be able to do that, because that's really what a lot of this came down to in the book was how the government has contributed to these biases and the prejudices Mm -hmm. because of the segregation and all of that. So I liked that she was, you know, it's a tiny little village, but it was nice to see a person in a position of power 
who was good and was able to say, hey, I'm going to make a change here because I have the power to do so. Because that's a really I think that's a really important message. Yes. And she was kind to Arthur as well. She's like, I remember you just as a little boy working in the ice cream shop. Like, you know, she just was a good soul. She was a good person. And you want people like that in charge. Mm -hmm. You really do. Yeah. So, you know, overall, the characters were really cute. Uh, Linus is very by the book. (laughs) He is the type of person that goes to work, goes home, goes to work, goes home. He doesn't do anything in between. He doesn't color outside the lines. He's very by the book. He carries around with him his rules and regulations and he literally whips them out and is like, oh, rules and regulation number, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Uh, he needs to he needed to live his life. And he comes here. He tries never to uh, get too involved with the kids that he oversees. But you could always tell from his past experiences or at least one of them that's mentioned that he is curious about the children and that he does like children. He's not a bad guy. Um, he just doesn't allow himself to have a life, really. Um, and I think part of that stems with the fact, too, that, you know, he's just he's been in his job for so long. He doesn't even want to move up. He's just comfortable. You know, there's mm. just no he's afraid of change. I think that's that's what it what it's all about. And this helps him grow as a person, finally break him out of his shell. Uh, and he does spend the month there and he he literally leaves himself on the island when he leaves uh, and has to come back, you know. So I just thought that was that was awesome to see that. I liked that. I didn't like him at first. He was the character I liked the least, but I did like the progression later on. And yeah, I don't know. When he started to come around, I, I did start getting emotional. Okay. But, I mean, I didn't, but I that's know. okay. I, I just don't know what it is with Linus. He just bothered me throughout this book because he would claim that he cared about the children. And I think it was evident that he did care about the children, but only to an extent. So... They would say, okay, well, when you made the decision that this orphanage should be closed because, you know, for the benefit of the children, what do you think happens to the children after that decision is made? And he was—he did think about it. He was just like, oh, well, that's that's not my responsibility. That's not so. And to me, that's very cold. Mm -hmm. To me, that doesn't say I care about these children. And that annoyed me a lot, especially considering that we're in similar fields. And I just didn't really get it. I didn't get his character in the beginning, but I just, I knew from the first page, I was like, Linus is a person who follows the rules. He goes to work. He doesn't take account, you know, accountability for what his actions, how they impact other people in the long run. And I was like, the, this book is going to end with him getting to know these kids and they're going to make him realize that, you know, he needs more of a life and he needs to accept people. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, and then You know, he he confronts extremely upper management by the end, identifies to them the the practices that they have in place that he disagrees with. I mean, it was all good messaging. I just thought it was boring. There was nothing that surprised me and there was nothing that I didn't already predict from literally the first page about his character development. So I think that's why I had a lack of emotion related to him, because I was just like, yeah, I knew that this was going to happen. There was only one way for this book to go. And uh, unless he was going to just turn out to be a piece of shit, you know what I mean? And I didn't Which think it was no gonna... one wanted. And I didn't think wanted that. And I, I didn't I didn't <laughs> expect it to be going in that right, way. So right. I was like, there's only one way for this book to end. So I think that's just why I felt really disconnected from him and why I do feel like it was just a little two dimensional. It's like at the beginning, it's like, follow the rules. Don't question anything bad. You know, get to know people. Good. You know what I mean? It was just like question authority. Well, good. And like, we get it. I, I did think the messaging was a little heavy handed throughout the book, kind of like you would see in a kid's book to get the point across. To yeah. smaller minds. I mean, this is the first time that 
or we get we get the understanding this is the first time he actually immerses immersifies himself with these children. So he spends time with them, gets to know them. So that's why he cares. In the end, if he closes this place down, he starts to think this is going to have an impact on these kids individually. And he didn't realize that before because he was so by the book. Come on. Trying to be the best employee. Uh, he didn't care about anything else. He just wanted to do good at his job and then go home and sleep. You know what I'm saying? But like the whole the whole the whole thing about this book is that. Uh, it does. All right. So let me just say this. He basically he has to report to the upper management, extremely upper management. So you see his growth as he's writing to them because they put him in the dark. Really? They say, we're going to send you to this place, not give you any information until you get there. And when you get there, we're going to give you some files. The files are very thin. They don't have a lot of information, you know, and he has to basically uncover things for himself. So basically he's there as their spy to learn things. And in the end, when he's writing to them and giving his reports over time, you know, his reports are changing. At first, he's by the book still. And then second, he's starting to yell at them and be like, you know, you didn't give me the details. <laughs> you know, what's up? Um, well, and he's starting to he's starting to change where he's going against his own rules and things like that. And you see that uh, through his his writing, even in the last report, it's like literally one line. <laughs> yeah. Which is that the orphanage should stay open. That's right. Which we all saw coming. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I wanted that. I was glad yeah. that it happened. Obviously. This I mean, wasn't I, the type of book I didn't, that I wanted it to, like, uh, some kind of surprise. No, I just would have liked to have seen a little bit more complexity in Linus is the only thing. Even, like, extremely upper management, it was like they were so bad. You know what I mean? They were so evil. And it was just like, I mean, I just like a little bit, for me personally, well, and this is just a me thing, but I like more complexity in my villains. I like more complexity in my protagonists. I didn't get it from this book. Extremely upper management was just extremely bad, bad, bad. There was no complexity. There was no, I mean, the whole scene where he goes back and he's back at work and he puts up the picture and it's like, oh, cute. I wish you were here. And they're like, you can't have that 10 demerits. I was like, come on. This is just, it's silly. <laughs> you know, it's a little silly. Well, basically me. though, she told us, she told her to stick it and he just yeah. kicked it out. And I Which was feeling fine. that. I was like, you, hell yeah, Linus. You know what this book kind of reminded me of? You, did you ever see that movie Stranger Than Fiction with Will Farrell? Yeah. Where he does like the same exact thing every day and then all of a sudden his yeah. life goes off course. That's what that's exactly what it reminded me of. Well, you know what it reminded me of? Literally most people, because the general okay. population, the whole masses will literally be following like their followers and they just do as they're told. They turn on the news and they listen. They don't do any research for themselves. They just do as they hear and they accept what they hear and they do what they're told. Oh, eat this, not that. Okay. So basically they're just following along daily life routine. And then in a sense, this is symbolic for that where Linus is playing that part. And then all of a sudden something breaks him out of his shell. He wakes up from that. And now he realizes there's more to life. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with you. That's exactly what his character was. All right. I'm... But I mean, he was symbolic for that. That's fine. If you want, you know, if you, if you think it's type. symbolic, it's just nothing I haven't seen before. You know, I, I've seen that a million times. Every story like this is like that. There was nothing different about this story with the exception of Lucifer being the Antichrist child. Like that was the only kind of new and interesting thing in my opinion, that was in this book. Okay. You said you wanted to talk about the plot or lack thereof. Yeah. I mean, there was, like I said earlier, this is more of a character driven novel more than it is a plot driven novel. And I just felt bored some of the time. I didn't think, I, I, maybe this is just because I thought the character arc, which is the main plot with Linus and him coming around and then the whole thing with the village and them coming around to accepting these children, 
it was just predictable. So I felt bored by it because I already knew what was going to happen. I already knew what was happening before it happened. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, I, I just didn't feel anything because of it. I don't know. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you don't have to apologize. I mean, if if somebody out there who's listening is is newer to fantasy, if you're newish to fantasy, um, because this isn't really like fantasy. This is just like, you know, little kids with some some powers type of fantasy, but it has overall messages that are realistic, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh, but I, I think this might be something that you like. I didn't think it was boring. Uh, I I like I said, though, I read this at a time in my life where I needed a book like this. So I think I just read it in a different time. You know what I'm saying? And that's why it hit me different. But uh, yeah, I, I found the plot good. I mean, I found it, you know, refreshing to the point where he he was one way and he he broke out of that and became another way. I watched him grow. So I really liked that. I also loved the fact that, you know, the kids were viewed as monsters. And then eventually, you know, people started coming around and realizing that they're children. And I really loved that, too. So I thought that there was a lot of good you know, inner plot messages happening there. Uh, but like Alex said, it is very character driven. It's not like plot heavy. And I'm not really like, I don't really usually love those books. Um, but I did love this one. And, and like I said, it could have also been too, because it was just that time where I needed a, a book like this. You know, I kept while I was reading this book, kind of comparing it to, and not in the sense of plot or characters, because they're nothing alike, just in the sense that they had the same overall wholesome feel about them. And It was the very secret society of irregular witches, which I read last year. I really loved it. It was very wholesome and sweet. And it was kind of like a, a, that book gave me a hug. The, The difference that I kept feeling between these two was there's no stakes in this book. There was no, like, I was never concerned about my characters. I was never concerned that something bad was going to happen in the very secret society of irregular witches, I knew pretty much what was going to happen, but there was some conflict involved. There was an actual thing that they were trying to accomplish and they were trying to, you know, there was like some type of villainous entity that they were trying to overcome. And it was about them going about that, going about how they overcome it. And it dealt with a lot of similar themes but I just felt more stakes involved in that book because there was more conflict in this. They're just, I just never felt any conflict in it. You know what I I mean? mean, No, because Linus does have a lot of conflict. There's a lot of conflict within the children. So within the characters themselves, even author, even Zoe, uh, within all the characters, I feel like there's like inner conflicts happening with themselves. They're trying to come into their own and figure out who they are. And, you know, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, for Linus and Arthur, they're both uh, gay men, you know, so they're trying to deal with that in a conflict. Linus has his body shames himself. So a lot of the times they're t- they're dealing with a b- really terrible society that views them one way, similar to the kids that is part of this terrible society that views them a certain way. And it just felt like all of them had some kind of obstacle within to overcome. I, I don't think there were high stakes. You know, being conflicted about your weight to me is not something that was heavily in the book. It was kind of thrown in here and there to show a little bit of development for Linus. But to me, it wasn't ever a central plot point. It was never a central focus. It was just something that kind of contributed to his character development, which is fine. That adds to the complexity a little bit. However, I think the internal conflicts that you speak of, A, are a little bit, they they just, they weren't fleshed out in the book. It's not something that the book was really focused on and they were low stakes. They were never really high stakes where I was like, I don't know what's going to happen with this character. Is this one, are they going to overcome the odds? Is this going to get shut down? You know what I mean? Like I never... 
I, I just disagree. I just disagree with you about that. And that's just my opinion. Right. Um, which, I don't know. At certain points, I wasn't sure if Linus was going to do the right thing. I wanted him to. I hoped he would. You know what I'm saying? But there was opportunity for him to go back to the same thing. And he does leave at one point. Yeah. Uh, you know, he does leave and try to be the old worker that does the right thing and all these things but it wasn't the right thing for him and he ends up does coming back and i was so emotional in the last 20 friggin pages of this book where i'm like go back go back and then when he does he does go back you know the whole time i was like ah oh. and when he's talking to arthur and he's telling him his feelings and all these things about the kids getting so excited to see him i just had a totally different experience with this book yeah we really did it was just we, yeah we, we had a different experience which is fine that's normal um i was you know so emotionally attached to these people i want to hug them all individually i want to live next door to this house okay <laughs> i don't want to hang out with all these people i just loved every single character in this book yeah uh i mean what? linus was my least favorite yes but what? in the end Let's talk about around. Arthur a little bit because we haven't talked about him much. Um, but there yeah. is a reveal. He's, he's complex. I think he's very complex of a character. He had I a think... history. He had a past. You don't know that he has himself been in an orphanage, that he himself was one of these gifted children. I think all of the characters except for Linus had complexity to them. Linus is the only one that I felt was two dimensional. And it bothered me because he was my protagonist. That's I, but, I think but the other think characters were becomes... fleshed out. No, I you don't, don't think, think he that becomes he was like a 2D Mario, Super Mario no. character. And then I he think... becomes a 3D, like, let's go. No, I, I think he started out as, to use your analogy earlier, as a black and white cat yes. cartoon character at the beginning. And at the end, he became a color, colored in cartoon yes. character. I don't, I didn't feel any complexity from him with the exception of one scene. And it was one of my favorite scenes in the book. And so... Arthur is getting upset. So these kids are in the village. They're going to get ice cream. The person serving the ice cream is very bigoted and he doesn't want to serve the ice cream to these children. Oh. And Arthur starts getting extremely angry. He's yelling. He wants to yell at this man. And Linus steps in front of him. He grabs his face and he calms him down and makes him see that this is not the way to go about things. And Arthur, you know, ultimately calms down. I thought that was a very nice scene. I think that's the only scene, in my opinion, that I felt some complexity from Linus. And I think it was more for the plot than... His character, personally? I felt, well, I, one of my favorite scenes is a scene also where uh, Fee, she is the woodland sprite little girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a scene where she creates this flower from underneath the ground and she just makes it come up. It's a beautiful scene with her. And, you know, she does this and she names it Linus, like how touching and cute. And she tells him that he's, you know, like a flower that needs to bloom, basically, which is really the truth. He really did. He needed to bloom, man. He was like a bud. A dud bud, you know, he, he was a wet rag. Yeah. And, and he he also was reminded of his uh, sunflowers back home and they were the only thing that really gave him life. So when he would, would water them and when he would look at them, they would they would literally like color his his coloring book in. Um, and he never felt that in, in any other way until he arrived at this island and was around these people and these children. So I just thought that that was a cute scene as well. And that was a, a touching scene. That was the first time I think I got really emotional in this book. It was a cute I loved scene. It. There were a lot of cute scenes in this book. Like I said, I, I mean, it wasn't a bad book. It just it just didn't hit the right spots for me. I don't know. It just wasn't. Yeah. 
Yeah. It wasn't complex enough for you. I, I like non-complex so. sometimes. When it's too complex, I get overwhelmed. That's how I feel about dark matter. I don't need a complex plot line. I if if it's not going to be a plot-heavy book, I need some complexity in my characters. I can't read about what I thought was a two-dimensional character for however many pages. I think almost four hundred pages. It's to me, it's just boring because it's not realistic. I like to have you know just more complexity in my characters than that. And I think we lost Jess again. Oh, no, I'm here. Okay. You lost Um, me for a second. Oh, you lost me in an ephemeral moment. Yes, you're right. The the loss of Jess was ephemeral. All right. (laughs) I said ephemeral, whatever. Whatever, I knew what you meant. (laughs) Ephemeral, excuse me. Yeah. Pardon. Um, I did like the scene also, and I will say that this added a little bit of complexity to Linus, I thought. But the scene where Linus, Talia, and Lucy are in the garden, yes, the garden store, and Talia's picking out all of her tools and things she wants to get for her garden. She doesn't have enough money. And so Lucy offers to give her some of his money so that she can can pay for it. I thought that was really sweet. But then Linus ends up stepping in and he uses his, you know very rare credit card that he can never use. He uses it for her. It was cute. I liked that. It was nice. But he stepped I did, out of his shell. Yeah. But I did want to talk about Arthur a little bit because I feel like we haven't discussed him much. And Mm-mm. we we do He's get... He's a very important character. Yeah. So he is the caretaker at this orphanage. I didn't really care for the fact... There were multiple times in this book that he was referred to as the master of the orphanage. I didn't care for that language, personally. It kind of didn't sit right with me. But aside from that, I liked his character. He does a lot of good work with the kids. He really makes them feel loved and seen. I loved the found family um, concept in this book. That's one of my favorite tropes. I love that. So I did enjoy that. And I liked seeing Arthur's role in all of that. I liked seeing his interactions with the individual children. I liked seeing his interactions with Zoe. His interactions with Linus, I didn't get it. I was like, I get why Linus likes Arthur. Arthur's interesting. I was like, I don't get what Arthur likes about Linus. Of of course, Alex is going to like Arthur. He was wearing colorful socks. Like Dumbledore. Like you. And and (laughs) in addition, yes, that's true. Right now I'm wearing my coffee socks. They say coffee. All right. Anyway, we also go sock shopping with with Arthur. I would. And Dumbledore, too. <laughs> anyway, we also find Dumbledore, out... Dumbledore wouldn't wear funky socks. He always Let's does. Stop, stop he the always madness. Does. Stop I, the madness. All right. We don't have time for this right now, but I will school you on this another day. All right. <laughs> but we do get this reveal that Arthur is a phoenix. Um, so he's also a magical being. He has a very tragic backstory, and it is what motivated him to want to become a caretaker at an orphanage and help these children when he wasn't able to be helped. He was abused. He was kept in isolation underground in a cellar for six months he tried to fight his way yeah he tried to burn his way out it wasn't successful and he was there up until it ultimately got closed down he actually tried to reach out to request help to the government agency it's dicomy is the name of it department in charge of magical children magical youth whatever dicomy yeah of course dicomy yeah Yeah, nice dicomy 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 like whatever it doesn't matter whatever it is the department in charge of magical youth they he he wrote to them for help because he was being so severely abused and they eventually came and shut the the orphanage down however the person in charge there found out and that's why he was punished i thought it was interesting i already knew he was going to be a magical person i just knew it from the second we met him but i thought it was really cool to find out he was a phoenix he's one of the only ones known to be in existence yep once again, it reminded me of Dumbledore, but I did like it. I thought it was really cool. Dumbledore was not a phoenix. He no, had a phoenix. He had a phoenix. So 
I'm sorry. You're going to tell me. How do you, he, how do you I, know it was an author that he had? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. But but I like I liked Arthur's <laughs> character and I liked I liked that he had a little bit of anger in him. I liked that he wanted to fight for these kids when he was in the village. Was it the right you know way to go about it? No, Linus was right. But I liked that he had that fire in him and I liked that he was so passionate. Literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I felt that. I, I believed it. I believed it for his character. It felt real. And and I enjoyed I enjoyed his character overall. Yeah. I really liked him. One, I, I also really liked... He was one scene. of my favorite characters, Arthur. Yeah. I really liked the scene also towards the end, right before Linus is about to leave. And he kind of just sucks it up. And he's like, I'm, you know, stay. I want you to stay. Please stay yeah. here. And I, I liked it. And I liked when Linus returned and he was like, ask me. Uh, that was cute. You know, it was, it was cute. I loved that scene. This was one of those cute cute romance sections though not like that hit me over the head iron shame bullshit don't get me this was that i know well this is is a completely this is a completely different kind of this was so cute and when he comes back and they have the whole big and i was like anna faris i love a big speech this isn't how it works samantha you can't force or or torture someone into liking you Ooh, the big speech you know (laughs) but like it really happens and i'm just like uh, i loved it yeah it was cute loved it it was very cute. I, I loved it. it. I loved the way it ended, too. So it ends yeah. in a, such a way where it sets up for another book, which I'm excited to read. Alex, probably not so much, but I'm excited to read it. I would be interested. I want to see where this little family goes. I love them. So it ends up where, obviously, Linus does return. You get the idea that, you know, him and Arthur are in a relationship and that they're basically going to father these kids, which I love because these kids really had nobody before this. And I just love that for them. And I think it's going to help them grow into better adults. So I really love that. I hope that they're going to adopt them going forward. They do uh, make it and they do allude to the fact that they are trying to file for adoption. Mm -hmm. And then there's someone else, another troubled child who's coming to the island and they're so excited that he's coming or that i think it's a he i think he says he it's david yeah yes david okay pop he's up a yeti. In the next book he's oh, a yeti, right. he's a, yeti. Yeah. So cute. a yeti boy i really liked this epilogue and what i liked about it was that you could read this epilogue and read this book as a standalone and everything would feel complete and mm-hmm. you'd be satisfied but it also does set up that idea that there's more to tell if you're interested and i right. did, like they they do suggest that there's a potential marriage i i don't think they did get married yet but they suggest that there will be a marriage in the future and that they're planning to adopt all of the children including david who hasn't even arrived yet yes and they they make mention that because he's a yeti he likes it colds so they're gonna uh transform that cellar where where arthur yeah where arthur had been locked up and it had been kind of demolished by him but they're gonna transform that into a place where he can go and be comfortable because it, it, they, I guess they'll make it cold. I don't know, maybe yes. like a freezer or so something. So it'll I thought be that interesting was all cute. To, yes, and I, it'll be interesting to see the dynamics of, of how he goes into the dynamics of the children who already have such a tight unit. They're all very close and loving with one another. And I think that that's going to continue in the next one. And I love the title of the next one. It's called Somewhere Beyond the Sea. And there's uh, a lot of a lot of uh, mention of music in this book, which I really I enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I love how uh, T.J. Klune played on the fact that, you know, like Satan is behind the, uh, you know, rock music. So, of course, mm-hmm. Lucy loves rock music. I just thought that was cute, you know, because usually you associate that with evil and bad. And he wasn't even evil and bad. He was adorable. Uh, so he loved his rock music. He would listen to records, which is so old school but one of the yeah. songs also that they would play in the house was somewhere beyond the sea mm-hmm. who i think is by bobby darren bobby right? darren yeah mm-hmm. beautiful song old school song and basically when he does return to his job linus he starts to 
recall the song and he starts to think about that. And I really like that, that now he is somewhere beyond the sea and that's what the next book is called. So yeah, I just like how that came full circle circle. Yeah. Also, I really like that song. (laughs) Yeah. It's nice. I love Bobby Darren. Honestly, I love his voice. Beautiful voice. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, So I, uh, we, we do it. No, I was just going to say in season one, we used to talk about the covers and stuff. And I know we weren't going to do that as much unless we wanted to. And in this case, I do want to. I loved the covers. So pretty and whimsical. Isn't so it? cute. I so loved it. So whimsical. Perfect word for that. I, yeah. I did really like the title as well. And I agree with you about the sequel. The title for the sequel is also really nice. It's cute. And it does relate back to the first book. I like all of that. Yeah. In terms of the sequel, I think it is going to focus on... David integrating into their little found family unit, as well as the whole orphanage integrating into the village. And I think we're going to see a lot of that, which I'm I'm interested in seeing. That sounds interesting to me is getting to see them because I I liked those scenes in this book where they were at the record store and they were at the ice cream shop and stuff like that. I liked all of that. So I think we're going to see more of that in the sequel as well. Yeah. And it is such a beautiful title, The House in the Cerulean Say. I don't know. It's just very inviting. Yeah. Grasps your attention and makes you want to read it. And it sparks your imagination, too. When you say the house in the Cerulean Sea, I have an image in my head instantly of what that would look like to me. Yes. And let me tell you, this cover, if you haven't seen it, go look it up. But it's literally a house on a cliff that looks like it's going to snap off at any moment. And it does define what you're about to read, how, you know, this whole house and everyone in it is basically on edge. They're about to, you know, just crash into the Cerulean Sea because of all the evil and everything around them that's surrounding them. Uh, So I thought that that was interesting. Mm -hmm. How it does really kind of play into that. Yeah. Uh, But I will say that there's not enough woods for my girls, Talia (laughs) and Fee. So maybe (laughs) a little lie there about that. Where's the woods? Yeah. (laughs) That was my only qualm about that. All right. So, yeah, we did say this. We touched on this, but I thought that the writing was superb. I thought that TJ Klune's writing style was excellent. I really love the prose in this book. I agree. I thought it was really well written. I actually was pleasantly surprised by the writing. I didn't really know what to expect. I've never read anything from this author before. I've heard some things about him that I haven't liked. But when I started reading, I was like, wow, he's a good writer. (laughs) You know, you can't deny him that. It's good. Yeah. I am one of those readers that is a prose hose. Um, And when I... I, (laughs) There's some prose in this house. There's some some prose prose in in this this house. house. (laughs) For real, though. Like, you know, like I get very attracted to that. And I feel feel like, Mm. wow, it's captivating and in a a different way i'm going to be clapping my hands at the author so Mm -hmm. as of right now that's why i would read more of his his writing because i feel like the guy knows how to write a thing or two Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh so i was really really um impressed Mm -hmm. with his writing and i liked that and also again again this is coming off of iron shame and christmas books so no comparison as soon as i picked this up i was like yes yeah there's no comparison you know what i'm saying yeah because speaking of which i think the one before this was good elf gone (laughs) wrong uh which was hilarious but but would i say that it was the most beautiful prose i've ever written no no come on (laughs) that book Come on. No, it's no. You know, they, were no passing around, they were passing around dick pics around the family dining room table. Yeah. No, it's not. There's no comparison. <laughs> not wholesome. <laughs> but it just goes to show you. See, TJ Klune is an established author. He's written 25 plus books. Rebecca Yaros, an established author, written possibly about the same amount. But look at the difference in the writing. This is what yes. I'm talking about with Rebecca Yaros, not to get on 
this soapbox again. Yes. But well, writing I know. Shit, yeah. And this You're is right about her writing. being a lazy writer. Yeah. Now I understand completely because this is not a lazy writer. No. This is a writer who's getting his messages across. This is a writer who's be- honestly friggin' the sentencing, the, the, his word structures, everything. It was beautiful, beautifully written, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's why I rated it the way I did. Also yeah. because it gave me the feels. Yeah. And just a reminder to everyone, Jess, you said this was a five-star read for you. Five-star read for me. I wouldn't expect anything less. You were, you've were you been raving about this book. I know you really did love it. I, I would give it a four. I do think that if you've listened to this discussion and it sounds like something you'd be interested in or this is your type of book, 100% recommend it. You're going to love it. If you're more like me, I still would recommend I mean, it's not a bad book. It's good. But maybe read it when you're looking for a more wholesome type yes. of, you know, you, yes. you're you maybe... have to be in the mood for this. Yes. Yeah. You know, had I read this in a different moment, maybe I would feel the same way. Maybe I would feel differently. It makes me think about tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Because when I read that, I was like, no. And you loved it. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't do this. Yeah. And I was bored. So maybe had I read that and uh, now I still hate that book. Yeah. Well, that I still don't know if it's going to be your cup of tea. But that that's the difference. And these are two entirely different books. They're entirely oh, different yeah. genres. But look at the difference in the complexity of those characters versus what we saw in this book. Oh, no. There's, yeah. well, I will definitely 100% agree with you that those were complex as shit characters for sure for sure i hated every one of them (laughs) except that marcus the one that died he was the only one i liked yeah and he was the least complex (laughs) (laughs) right kind of a little bit (laughs) i don't know yeah but uh yeah, but but again, we did commend the writer. What, what was the writer's name she, in Tomorrow Tomorrow? Gabrielle Zevin. I think she's Gabrielle's a, excellent she's a writer. Beautiful writer. I want to read more writer. of her stuff. Yeah. Yes. Uh, her writing was definitely excellent. I would definitely read more of her things. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. but yeah, as far as this goes, um, it would give me the feel goods. It was a cutesy fantasy for those of us maybe who don't want to dive into a giant fantasy like eight book series. This <laughs> is a cute this isn't it's that kind of book. Yeah, this is yeah, no, 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 not at all. It's not the same. But yeah. all right, let's and, do. Oh, and there's wyverns in this, just like Iron Shame and and uh, come on, uh, Fourth Wing, but a different type of wyvern. And okay, Th- Throne of Glass too. Has Can one. you imagine though? Okay, if the next installment of the Fourth Wing series is about a little baby wyvern that's getting bullied and stuff, and we hate wyverns, right? They're evil, and then all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, we're starting to love these little baby wyverns. That's what this book was. <laughs> I went from evil wyverns to little baby cutesy wyvern. Yeah. That's all. That's it. It got me out of my book slump. So that's why I love it that's even good. more. Yeah, that's yes. good. All right. Well, right, I'm sorry. What were you saying before? I was going to say, let's get into our categories. If oh, you had a, yeah. yeah, if you had to sum up this book as a nail color, what would it be? Oh, it has to be like a beautiful teal. Some yeah. kind of Caribbean blue, beautiful sea color. Cerulean, dude. <laughs> Of course, but just like when you define a word and you use it in a sentence, I didn't want to use the word in that sentence. I don't know. All right, fine. But you're right. Yeah, like a really bright, rich, beautiful. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. There's no other choice for that. No way. All right. What if Uh, there was a movie or TV show? I don't know. I can't think of a movie that hugged me. Hmm. Maybe Wally. Wally Wally hugs me. That's every cute. time and every I've seen that movie a million times. One of my favorite movies of all time, by the way. Yeah. Every time I see it, I still cry when I know Wally's going to make it out. OK. And Eva's like, Wally. And I cry every single time, even though I know he's going to make it. I've cried in that, too. And it's because Wally was an extremely complex character for a robot. OK. Damn it, every movie. damn time. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, he's erased. But I know he's going to make it through. OK. Eva. 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 
My favorite. Uh, that's really cute. I like that. Um, also, some might say that that's one of the greatest love stories of all time. Okay. The poor guy was all alone and then he finally finds a friend and he follows her to space. Yes. And brings her back. I can't. Wally. Her. That's all. Wally and the first like 15 minutes of Up are the two greatest love stories ever told. All right. That's all I'll say. Up makes me cry. I can't even watch the first 10 minutes of Up. I know. Right. I will. I will cry the whole time. Bawl my eyes out. I hate that part. I know. But I love that movie. All I right. love it. All right. I have no idea, honestly, what movie or TV show would be. Maybe like, hmm, wholesome. Yeah, it's got to be a wholesome vibe. Yeah. I'm thinking like a TV show, but I don't know what. I'll say Gilmore Girls. Not- <gasps> I knew you were going to say Gil- Gilmore Girls. Yeah, because it kind of has. a wholesome has- show. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll go with that. All right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, a character from a show or a movie or a movie quote. All right. You know, Charlie Brown. Yes, obviously. Okay. Everyone knows Charlie Brown. Do you know Linus from Charlie Brown? Well, yes. You have okay. The blanket guy? He, yes. And I'm going to say the blanket. Linus's blanket. <laughs> the blanket itself? <laughs> yeah. His character. Yeah. It's a prop. It's, it's a character for me for this answer. That's, <laughs> that's what it is for me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So Alex chose a prop. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I did. <laughs> also funny that the blanket belonged to Linus. <laughs> All righty then. Uh, but also a blanket does hug somebody. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I can bring some positivity to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also I know why you did it. Because obviously the blanket would be wet. Because you want to call him a wet blanket. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, so my movie quote for this is, I'll never let go, Jack. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Why? Why? Uh, I don't know, because I, it's cute. And at the end, I feel like they're never going to let go. And it's just a cute thing. Even though, Rose, you a bitch. She, she, Linda, you a bitch. She because does let go. Let go. She does. I How know. dare her promise him? All right. That's all. She all lets right. him sink to the bottom of the sea. There was no reason for her to just, like, drop him. Like, she couldn't even just let him drift there and, like, let him be buried. Like, he had a drift. All right, I'm done. This there is- was plenty of room on the raft. I we know. won't go there right now. I know. We won't we go can't. there. She's a, I, she a, she's a bitch. But I did <clears throat> see that they did an experiment, and he totally could have fit. They just only tried once, failed, and never tried again. Because she who does care. it? All right. She All right, well, that's <laughs> neither here nor there, okay? A song? A song. All right, for this one, and don't hate me for doing Taylor Swift again, but... I'm going to say me by Taylor Swift because it's like, I'm the only one of me. I don't even remember how it goes. I actually don't like that song. (laughs) But it's like, like, she's like, let me find the Taylor Swift song that I hate. No, no, no. That's not the reason why. It's because it's all about these kids being like, you know, I'm comfortable just being me. There's nobody else like me. And, you know, I don't know. Okay, that's similar to what I was going to say. But you didn't still see the movie from The Greatest Showman. No, you know, honestly, the greatest soundtrack ever. Okay, Uh, the song This Is Me. Okay.
that is the best song for this because literally it's all about being yourself. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That's it. All right. Meal, a cookie, or a baked item? All right. Choices there. This is going to be an iced sugar cookie. Super, super sweet. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it has to be like a warm, I guess a warm cookie, like some freshly baked, delicious oatmeal, iced oatmeal cookie or chocolate chip cookie, like your favorite cookie, but Mm. straight out of the oven, warm and delightful. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I want that. (laughs) Me too. Me too. too. (laughs) All right. Hit me with you. Superlative. Superlative. All right. Most likely to want to read on a cliff near the sea. Ah, all right. I mean, I love that. <laughs> also most likely to want to read when you just need a hug from a book. There you go. Because it's the cute. prior book smacked you across the face. Shame. 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 <laughs> animal Hashtag <above>. bitter. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, definitely bitter up in here. Uh, she would be a bitter cookie. Where's yeah. the sugar? Did you forget the sugar? All right, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> Uh, an animal, bug, or a mythical creature. All right. Well, this is hard because there's a lot in this one. I'm going to say a unicorn, though. Yeah, it has to be a mythical creature. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to go. I'm going Pegasus because I feel I... like it's a magical horse. It flies. And there was like wyverns in this and things that mm-hmm. had wings. Yeah. Um, plus, I mean, who the hell, if you were uh, growing up, I mean, as a, as a child, a girl child, I, I wanted a Pegasus so damn bad. Yeah. I wanted to fly everywhere on that thing. Okay. Yeah. And that's probably never ending stories fault, even though that was dog. Yeah. It was dog. nothing like Pegasus, which by the way, Pegasus I didn't is want a flying it's, dog. Pegasus is its name, not its breed. I don't know what it's actually called. What does that mean? It means that Pegasus was a specific flying horse and not like a Pegasus. Oh, stop. Yeah. I'm just a saying. Pegasus is a flying horse. No, that's, eh? the, that's the name of one specific <laughs> flying horse. It's not the name of flying that's horses. That's the one I want. <laughs> Jesus <Fine. Christ. laughs> All right. If it has a horn, too, bonus. Oh. <laughs> All right. Because then I, it could fight for, for me. Other than that, you know, maybe you could just whack things with its wings. I don't know. I want to fly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's it. All right. We've had enough of us. We're we're done. Okay. Yeah. Because we're out of our damn minds. And for casting, let me tell you, let me tell you about casting. I this this had Hugh Grant all over it for me. I don't know why. What? I wanted Linus to be Hugh Grant. What? I don't know why, but Hugh I spoke Grant. In his voice and no. everything. Stop. Every time Hugh, he would Hugh. talk, he would be delightfully British and he would talk like Hugh Grant all the Hugh, time. Hugh Grant has much too much spunk and sass to ever play Linus. He would never be able to pull it off. He would bring a lot of greatness to his role. Yeah, he would make him better. So actually, you're right. Maybe it should be Hugh Grant. He needs to be Hugh Grant. If he's not, mistakes were made. I know he's older than 40, but I don't really care. All right, because we all see you. All right, Colin, the hooves. We see you. We always bring up our business. (laughs) We see you with Blake Lively, who's too old for that role. Okay? Yes. That's all. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Did you see anybody when you were reading this book that you were like, no. that should be this person? No. Like Arthur? I don't know. I have no idea who Arthur would be. Hugh Grant again. <laughs> Hugh Grant plays all the characters. <laughs> well, if we're going all British, then he has to be Colin Firth. 
And I feel like Colin Firth could be either, either of them could be either role. I feel like they should be, it it should be the opposite. Hugh Grant should be Arthur and Colin Firth should be Linus. Because Colin Firth, first of all, I love him, but he's more like straight laced, you know? Do you you agree with that? Or, you know, a little bit more stoic? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And then obviously if we're continuing with the Brit situation, then I think we have to obviously put Emma Thompson as as Zoe. As Zoe? All right. I'm happy with this. Actually, I think I'd picture her more as Helen. Maybe. 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 Apparently, we're just going to hire all of Love Actually to play this movie. Yeah, that's fine with me. Uh, that's totally fine with me. I feel like yep. Laura Linney could be Zoe, maybe. I, I love this already. I yeah. love it. Okay. I'm there. I want to watch this whole thing. Uh, uh, aw, rest in peace, Alan Rickman. He can't be in it. Yeah. After all this time, well, anyway, if they do make this into a movie, I'm sure it'll be adorable. I will watch it. Yeah, it'll be cute. Yeah. All right. Well, join us again next Tuesday, January 23rd, when we'll review Blake Crouch's sci-fi thriller, Dark Matter, Jess's favorite. (laughs) She's so excited. And then join us again next Thursday, January 25th, for another potty episode. Hoop noise. All right. And and remember (laughs) that we will be starting our book club, No Shelf Control. I won't put you through that theme song again for this one. Uh, But just remember that you better, you better... You better check your shelf before you wreck yourself. That's right. Our first book will be The Frozen River by Ariel Lohan. And we will announce shortly when we'll be having our discussion on our socials and on the podcast for that book. Yep. And our book of the month for January will be Rebecca Ross's Ruthless Vows, the highly anticipated sequel to Divine Rivals. That episode will air on Wednesday, January 31st. Mm, I can't wait to start reading that, actually. I know. I'm excited, too. I've been putting yeah. it off because I want to wait until it's closer, but I like have to stop myself every time. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm interested to see how you're going to... We're going to actually be reading Remarkably Bright Creatures soon. Yeah. And that's not a plot-heavy book either. So I'm interested to see where your thoughts go on that one. I do prefer plot-heavy books, but like I said, as long as the characters are complex, I don't care. Like, I love Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. That was very character-heavy. So, well, these are very complex characters. There you go. Definitely. I'll probably love it then. I hope so. Yeah. Okay. All right. See you later. <laughs> All right. Get out of here. What are you still doing here? Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We had a good conversation. <laughs> For everyone just tuning in, this is what you can expect from our podcast. We'll be releasing new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, and we'll have a new book of the month on the last Wednesday of every month. We encourage you to reach out to us with thoughts, ideas, questions, and feedback. You can reach us at She's All Booked Podcast at gmail.com. As always, all books we review will be available at our link in bio or by visiting linktr.ee slash she's all booked. We do make a small commission from any purchases you make using that link. So thank you to all who support us. And of course, we want to say thank you to all of our listeners. We really appreciate each and every one of you. If no one told you today, you're important and valued. You belong here. You're doing great. And we believe in you. This chapter may be over, but the story goes on. So stick a bookmark in us. Ouch. And we'll see you in the next one.
welcome, everybody. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> welcome, everybody. I would fucking turn, turn that shit off so fast. <laughs> I feel like I don't want to listen to these people. All right. Are you still recording? Yeah, I'm going to stop it. Oh. <laughs> we do make a small commission from any purchases you use, making that link. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> What the hell? Thanks for listening to my mommy and me and Alex.